Welcome to the Whistle Way Podcast. My name is Kyle Whistle with EXP Realty here in San Diego, and I get a, a, a pretty special guest today. I'm excited to have I'm you special. on, dude. You're very special. <laughs> very special. So uh, this is my new business partner, Kimo Quants. Uh, stoked to have you here today, man. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, this is going to be fun because we're going to dive into some content that I don't know if I've ever seen a real estate podcast talk about. Um, it's something that I don't even know if a lot of people have this on their conscience or even thinking about this, but the opportunity to partner with other people in the business. So that's what we're going to dive into today. But the goal of the show, give you the tools, techniques, and tactics that you need to go out there and crush it in your business. The way that we typically like to do that is to answer the questions that you have for us. So if you ever have a question, you want to have us answer on the show, you can always go to thewhistleway.com. You can ask us questions on there, subscribe to the podcast and YouTube channel, join our referral network for everybody leaving California, um, and you can get uh, access to our private Facebook group and email newsletter where we share a lot of tips and tricks of the things that we're working on here inside of our team. So you can do all of that at thewhistleway.com. So Kimo and I recently announced a partnership together. We've blended our two businesses together and created what we like to call a super team here in San Diego. And so we're gonna dive into how that came about. But before we do, I just wanna have you guys get to know Chemo a little bit better. So just fill us in on your story, man. Uh, let's see, born and raised here in San Diego. I was 10 pounds at birth. How far do you want me to go back? That, is that too far? <laughs> That's it? That's too far. <laughs> How tall are you actually? 6'5". 6'5". 270. 270. That's a big <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, grew up here in San Diego, born and raised. Um, I uh, only had a few jobs, um, mainly in sales. and uh, out, But outside of high school, joined the Coast Guard, served in the Coast Guard for... Uh, four years, um, I took distress calls. I was a radio man, so when someone held Mayday, I was the one that they talked to. Okay. They probably wouldn't have had confidence if they knew it was me they were talking to. <laughs> How <laughs> did you decide to go into the Coast Guard? Because that's like, of all the branches of the military, that's like the one you hear the least. Yeah. Well, how'd you decide on that versus, you know, the typical Marine, Army, Navy kind of stuff? Well, I come from a military family, so my, my grandfather was Marine, my dad uh, retired Navy, and... I'm just one who wants to like go against the grain a little bit, and I just wanted to do something that no one else is doing, really, okay. right? And uh, Coast Guard was in. I started looking. I didn't even know what the Coast Guard was up until like two months before joining. And I started looking into it, and I found out like the New York uh, Police Department has more people than uh, the Coast Guard does. Wow. So it's a very you know small knit community in the Coast yeah. Guard. So. Um, yeah, so I, I did that and, you know, uh, was a radio man and took distress calls. And then from there, I got out and I actually, believe it or not, wanted to be an air traffic controller. My dad worked for the FAA. Uh, and, yeah, that didn't go as planned. I'm glad because that was definitely not my calling. And my, uh, a buddy of mine is like, sold cars. And he's like, why don't you come sell cars? And I'm like, I don't know about doing commission. <laughs> and turns out... That's exactly where I needed to be, okay. right? And uh, my second month in the car business ended up outselling everybody at the dealership. You sell new cars or used cars? I said both. both yeah, both. okay. What dealership? Ford dealership. Yeah. Yeah, Ford and Mazda. And yeah, I, I enjoyed it. You know, right off the bat, you know, I enjoyed the sales process and enjoyed that whole 
thing, right? Yeah. Uh, and I knew it was my calling from from there on. So sold sold cars until the uh, the crash, um, 08. And then from there, I actually, so I learned how to sell, you know, in person, right? I think one of the things lacking in the real estate community is there's not many actually salesperson people, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so I learned how to convert people right then and there, which you had to in the car business, right? Yeah. And then I'm amazed I, how many people I talk to and like, oh, what makes you want to get in real estate? Like, I watch HGTV. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that's their motivation yeah. of why they want to get into real estate, which we'll touch on HGTV at some point today. Yeah. And, uh. So from there, at the crash, I ended up working for a for-profit university uh, and basically a call center. It was like 2,000 of us hitting the phones for eight hours a day. Were you at Ashford? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've had so many good realtors who worked at Ashford. Yeah. Like, literally just a college recruiter, basically, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's good training. So if you're watching this and you're not in real estate and you want like a good bridge, be a college recruiter. Every person I've ever met who worked as a college recruiter has done really well in real estate. Yeah. Well, it's good. I mean, I was hitting the phones eight hours a day, recruiting people to the university. I ended up running, you know, one of the sales teams there uh, and managing a 15-person, you know, team within there. At my peak, I was number 12 out of, it was, I think we had 18, 1,900 people. Couldn't even crack uh, top 10, dude? Couldn't, you, know who, you know who cracks the top 10? Who? Women. <laughs> Women are the best on the phones. Okay. And they were always dominates. No one wants to talk to me. They want to talk to, <laughs> talk to women. Um, and then, but from there, um, when I was in the car business, I started, I bought my first property at 23 years old. And then I was living in Vegas at the time and I moved, moved back to San Diego and I ended up just keeping the property, you know, and that was my first rental. Okay. And then, uh, still own it today. No, Okay. I bought that one in 2005 in Las Vegas. I don't know if you remember what Las Vegas was, <laughs> was like, uh, during that time. Yeah. Um, but I kept it for a long time. I kept it as like 2014, I think. Okay. Um, and then decided to become a realtor. And I, you know, wanted to become a realtor to basically find investment properties before anybody else, you know, and then it turned out I did okay at being a real estate agent. Yeah. Yeah. And then here we are. So tell me about your real estate career. Like, where did you start out? How did you decide on that? Like, tell me about the early years. So um, I started out at uh, Keller Williams. I've been been in real estate 10 years now and I've only been at the same Keller Williams office um, and so been there the whole time yeah. and from the start did did well I think my first um, six months I think I sold 19 houses and then um, and then I ended up being rookie of the year for Southern California um, for Keller Williams um, and then continued to fail forward tried to build a team let everybody go, try to build a team, you know, yeah. and then eventually, you know, things started working out and uh, um, continued to sell more and more, you know, properties each year. I watch that all the time. People are like Oprah. They're like, they're tiny and little and then they get really <laughs> big and then they get little and they get big. Like, yeah. I watch it. It's, it's hard. I mean, yeah. talk about what it's like to try to run a team because I think everybody sees teams on stage, right? They see numbers like, our brokerage just put out their numbers of like the top 50 teams and you see all these people selling hundreds of millions. One of the, this one girl, uh, Avery billion dollars last year. Like that's super sexy, but like running a team's not for everybody. No. What, what <laughs> is the, what's the heart? Like, what should somebody know if they're thinking about starting a real estate team? What should, what would you tell them? Like, don't start a team if fill in the blank. Ooh. Um, 
you know, I, I would say it's it's what they say you need to do. Like, it's kind of like the next step. Okay, like, you know, I'm having success. And, you know, they say you got to start a team. But that's it's not really for everybody, you know? I mean, there's a management involved, which is not for everybody. Like, I starting a team, it really took away from what I really do enjoy, which is a sales piece of it, Yeah. right? And now you're, you know, managing a bunch of stuff that you never really intended to do or or have a desire or want to do. So, I mean, I guess if I was, you know, to, to do it again, um, uh, I would really keep to what I do best, which is selling. I mean, I grew into a successful team, of course, but, you know, I would have more, I would bring on five, eight assistants and just have them do everything Yeah, and, and just keep on doing what I do. Yeah, it's tough. If, if you don't like managing people, like running a team is not for you. It is extremely hard. I think that's the thing people don't think about. They get so attracted to the sales and they're like, well, and, and I think where the mistake is, right? You sold 16 homes your first six months, which is crazy. Um, a lot of people are like, well, I sell 30 homes a year, so I'm just gonna get like three other people to sell 30 homes a year and we're gonna sell 120 homes. Like it doesn't work that way. You know, you're, you go out and you, you try to build a team that's like all of your clones, which if you're out there selling 30, like 30 homes a month or a year here in San Diego is a high number. I know some of you guys in lower price point markets are like 30, that's what it takes to live here. Um, 30 homes in San Diego, you're a rock star. You're top probably 1% of agents in all of San Diego County. Like you're not gonna go find a ton of agents who sell 30 homes a year. Like that's very hard to do because 30 homes a year here, you're talking that's like $30 million roughly, 25, $30 million. Like, that's hard. You're not going to find a lot of that. You're going to have to find um, raw talent. We talk about that like in the NFL and the NBA. They talk about this all the time. Like, um, I'm a Bills fan. Josh Allen, like he was a raw talent coming in to the NFL. He was a train wreck the first couple of years, and now he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Like, but they had to, you know, get through that rawness and polish him up into the talent that he is today. Like you have to go through that in bringing agents on your team. You're not going to just get all these people that all sell a ton of homes and it's just going to all work. Like it, it is work. It's a lot of work to build a team. And so if you struggle to manage people, like a team might not be for you. If you're not willing to make a little bit less money or a lot of bit less money for a while, like it might not be for you. If, if you're not ready to slow down your production or maybe get out of production, like it might not be for you. It's really hard to run a team if all you do is go out and produce all day and you're never actually leading anybody. Like there's a lot of things people don't think about. So just understand, just because some people run teams, it's not for you. I was on the phone with my friend Becky um, in Washington yesterday and she's like, that team shit's not for me. Like I have a handful of assistants. They take care of everything for me. I just meet with clients. That's all I do. I don't have to you know, manage people. I don't have to motivate people. Like everybody takes care of the stuff I don't like to do. I do what I like to do and, and I live a great life. So there's a lot of ways to be successful in this industry. A team is not the only way. I think it's important to keep that in mind, you know, as you're watching this and you you hear numbers get posted and it's, it's sexy. Like there's a lot of blood, sweat and tears that go into building a team doing 100 million, 200 million a year. So just make sure you understand what you're getting into and think if that's really what you want. Do you want the the big numbers, and is that gonna make you happy to have a bunch of people? Because it might not make you happy. Um, so just understand who you are inside, what motivates you, and do what 
plays to your motivation, not everybody else's motivation. I think that's big. I think a lot of people screw that up. Oh, absolutely. There's a, definitely a lot more go, it goes into it. I mean, yeah. just like in real estate in general, right? I yep. mean, it looks a lot different from the outside looking in. Yeah. You know, and then once you, once you get into it and you're like, oh, I see now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, those open house signs don't just like magically appear on the corners on the weekend. <laughs> like actually got to like load this shit in my trunk and yeah. dodge traffic and, and get all hot and sweaty and then go in a house and try to look pretty like yeah it's yeah or you're, you're like a part-time psychologist like for sure dealing with <laughs> the emotions of people like and i mean dude even you know i've done this i've literally bought hundreds of properties over the years like even when i bought my last house i was still get emotional over sure. it you know even i sold my last house, there's still emotion even having done this like so just imagine the the level of emotion to a first-time buyer to a, or to a brand new agent, like so much damn emotion. So yeah, you got to be good with psychology. Psychologists are good in real estate. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Cool, man. Well, let's start to shift gears into how we came together. So, talk me through a little bit about like how did this whole thing come about? Because I think a lot of people are really curious. Um, you know, and, and for perspective, like Kimo and I worked the same area. We competed for a lot of the same business, or at least you would think that, which is. It's kind of interesting, right? We both focused on the city of Santee, which is in San Diego County. And a lot of people would think we competed against each other on a consistent basis because we were, you know, both of us top three, top five in the city for a long time. But we didn't actually go against each other a whole lot. No. There was very, like, we've tried to backtrack. How many times did, did him and I meet with the same seller to go after the same listing? And it was far less frequent than I think anyone would expect. What was more frequent was the number of times I would reach out to Chemo and say, hey, dude, I have a buyer for 123 Main Street. Like, where do we need to be? And he'd help me, put me in a position to get my client's offer accepted and vice versa. Like, there's far more times we helped each other than we competed against each other. And so just a, a lesson to take away is like, your reputation and your relationships in this industry are so freaking important. Like make sure you maintain a reputation to where and relationships to where when you need help, you can call somebody like Kimo and be like, hey, where do we need to be? Like how can we position our client to win? Like you need to put yourself in that position. So understand your reputation is vital. You do not want the reputation of being an asshole, being non-responsive, being unwilling to help, like that is going to hurt you significantly in this industry. So yeah, I mean, we literally would, you know, people I think would see us as competitors because we sold in the same areas and we sold big numbers. So they naturally assume there was competition, but yeah. it was actually pretty rare. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's when I got into the business, you know, I, I, you'd obviously been in the business for a while already. And so I watched a lot of, uh, what you were doing and emulated a lot of stuff, right? Obviously we're similar age, you know, that kind of thing and similar markets and I think similar style with, you know, from video and how we, how we do things. Yeah. Um, and I think just like, how much are we getting into here? Am I going into yeah, all of it? Let's go. Uh, <laughs> um, well, I think just like, That's what you, you guys know, want, right? Like yeah. you actually want to hear the real deal, <laughs> like no bullshit. So yeah, let's go. So when I started looking at, you know, we talked a little bit about in investments um, and what you have a passion for and whether you want to build a team or not and, you know, what is is in it. And I think a lot of real estate agents, whether it be single agents, teams, whatever, there's a lot of ego, you know, involved with it. And they 
go against decisions that are most likely better for them just because of their ego, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, as I really started examining, you know, where I was with my team, where I want to be, what I want to do, um, I started really thinking about my, my options. And you were the, one of the first people that came to mind to, to talk to. Just like you would partner with a brokerage for X, Y reasons, I thought, you know, partnering with you would bring benefits to both of us. Right. And at the time you started even having thoughts of like, I kind of want to focus more on investments. What was the size of your team when you started having the thoughts? I mean, we were I mean, 25, something like that. Okay. Yeah. And doing what kind of production? Uh, 70 million. Okay. 35 million. 100 units, 70 million. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just want context. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And, and I mean, it goes back to, you know, I was, I started thinking about, okay, what do I really want? What, and also, I mean, it's not just what I want, it's what I think is beneficial to my agents, Yeah, you know, on the team, right? It's when I go back to ego, you start thinking about, well, you know, partnering or, you know, you have to really examine like, okay, this is better for the agents for X, Y reasons, more systems, more, um, uh, relationships that, that you have, you know, whether it be for, with referral partners or whatever it is, access. Um, and, and then also for me to help me focus on more of what I want to do as well. Right. And looking at this and examining, okay, why can't I, we don't see it often in this industry at all. And mm-hmm. I don't know why. And I, egos, and, egos, dude, yeah. it, it's totally egos when, cause it's like, this is your baby. You've built this thing. It's your name. It's your face on everything to like, let that go yeah. is hard for people, man. I mean, it's very, And very I had hard. that. Yeah. I had that for sure. Yeah. Right. I, I have an ego. We yeah. all do. Right. <laughs> you know, but I really had to examine that and, you know, really figure out what's best for my agents, for my team, for me, uh, all the way around to, to, uh, to grow and move forward. And I think within this industry, I think we're going to see this a lot more. I think, you know, teams are really the future. Obviously, there's a lot of teams now, but I think it's going to be even more important in the years to come and yeah. more, you know, agents and teams, you know, coming together. Definitely. Not only for the agent involved, the real estate agent involved, the, the teams, but for the clients. The client, you know, a single agent just can't do what a team can do. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's more important for the agent, too. These, you know, these single agents just can't Right. Can't I mean, to literally go toe-to-toe with what we have, I mean, by combining everything that we both do, like for somebody who's a solo agent to compete with that, like unless they have the relationship or they literally do it for free, it's going to be really hard to win. Yeah. And I'm not trying to be an asshole. I'm just trying to be real. Like the level of systems and processes and people that we have in place, if you're trying to go in there, you know, and your, your pitch is I'm going to take professional photos and I'm going to put it on Zillow, like you're going to get smoked going up against some of these big teams and not just ours, but there's so many massive teams out there that have, like we have a, what do we have? Seven, eight people just in our marketing department of our company. Like how do you go up against that as a solo agent? That's tough. Yeah, It's really, really tough. And that's why I think you're seeing some of these teams get like years ago, it was unheard of to have a team be more than 10 people. Like a a team was three, four, five people. 10 was like a huge team. Now you're seeing 100 plus person teams all over the place. 
but these are they're more than teams they're businesses at this point yeah, right oh, yeah, they're businesses sure. that just sell real estate yeah. right it's that's the product there's businesses that sell these hydro flask is a business voss is a business right like this is the product that we sell in our business is real estate yep so it's uh yeah I, I think that it's really tough for small agents small teams to compete i think it's, it's going to get harder and harder so if i hear you right it sounds like part of the motivation was your passion was really shifted toward investing mm -hmm. and then also you wanted to do what you felt was best for the people on your team yeah oh absolutely that was one of the main drivers yeah you know obviously i have my own you know goals and things in mind but I'm a decent human being, you know what I mean? Like, most of the time. Yeah, most of the time. <laughs> no, really. I mean, I really do care about my agents. Yeah. And I really wanted their success. And I really, you know, was asking myself, was I giving them everything that they deserve? Yeah. And was I giving them way and above what most everyone offers? Yes. Is there a whole nother level to that? Yes. Yeah. And that's why... You know, I thought this was best, just like a single agent and why all the reasons they would want to partner with a team. Right. It's the same thing here. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. And I think as we started to have some of the initial conversations, we started to realize there was a lot of synergies in our business because um, this has been hard to, to blend these two things together, even with a lot of synergies. But some of the big synergies we found where this we started to realize like, hey, this could really work was we realized we use the same CRM. We use follow up boss. Um, we use Ylopo, you know, for our website, um, our splits were extremely comparable. Our geographic coverage areas were extremely comparable. Um, the, the demographic of the agent on our teams was very comparable. We were like, Hey, this thing could really work. I don't know how this works. If you have people who are completely separate systems, completely different splits, you've got you know, a team of a bunch of 20 year olds and a team of a bunch of seven year olds that, right? Like, I don't know how that works, but I think we realize like there's a lot of synergies. This could work, but as we've gotten into it, it's not easy. I mean, there's so many little situations as we've merged everything together. Like, how do we deal with the databases that overlap with each other? The, the big thing right now is right. There's so many referral partners out there. You know, a lot of leads coming in have referral fees attached. How do we merge that stuff together? Um, it is, it's not easy. Like if you're thinking about doing this, I want to share with you, like it, you're just like, oh yeah, we just merged together. It's, it's all smooth. Like it's not that easy. I was with, um, my, my friends, um, from the agency, James Harris and, um, his partner and John and, and his partners at the agency, they just blended together and make bond collective. I had dinner with them. They're like, this is tough. Like, Right. And, and they're TV guys. Right. Like yeah. to blend their teams. I mean, you think you and I have egos. Holy shit. Like once you get on TV, <laughs> your, your ego gets even bigger. Like yeah. it's it's not easy. So the, the things I would tell you, like if you're thinking about doing this is one, make sure that there's a connection. Right. Like this is somebody you're in business with for, you know, a period of time. Like you need to make sure that you mesh with each other. I don't see how you can do a partnership if, if there's not that synergy, um, you know, between the two people. I would say look at the different systems and processes, figure out. You know, are are we Android and, and iOS trying to like, you know, like if you get two people on iOS, it's probably going to go a little smoother than an Android and an iOS person. So think about like your systems, think about your people, your processes. There's a lot to think about. But when you actually start to take in, like we've already integrated a lot of the stuff that you were doing that we weren't doing. Right. We started to realize like we've been shooting videos all day today. Um, you know, Kima brought to the table some really cool stuff about running buyer seminars and seller seminars like so what's been really cool is we've taken what were we doing, what was he doing, 
and then just taking the best of both and meshing it together. And it's been really cool because now what was your team was great already. Our team was great already. But when you put those two together, like it's not, you know, it's not a, a one plus one equals two, right? This is one plus one equals 200. Like the results become exponential. And so it is a lot of work. Like I don't want to sugarcoat this at all. That this is easy to like merge two big teams together. But when you start to think about all the amazing things that both teams are doing, merge that together, like the results are going to be exponential. Like I'm super freaking pumped for the things we're going to do together, man. Oh, absolutely. And I've been, we're going to do some investment shit together too, because yes. I'm, I'm loving investing right now. <laughs> we're flipping a shitload of houses and it's really fun. And we're about to build apartment buildings and shape the city. So that stuff is super cool too. So hopefully you guys got some value out of this before we wrap today. I want to do something we refer to as our whistle widget of the week. This is something we utilize in our business. It saves us time, makes us more money, or just helps us have a little bit more fun. So what do you got, dude? Um, I was going to share paper form. Okay. Um, so paper form is uh, basically an online form builder uh, that I use. Um, and uh, shout out to Frank Klesitz, uh for turning me on to it. Um, but basically, one of the things I used it for best was creating a, a lead form that I used through Facebook. Um, and this particular lead form that I used with paper form that I created, feel free to reach out to me on social media or whatever. I can share uh, some of the questions that are on it with you. Um, but that particular lead form, I think in the last two years or last year and a half or so made me over $500,000 just for that paper form that wow. I created. Yeah. Okay. So it's a form building system that'll integrate with Facebook. It doesn't integrate, but it creates a link. Creates, okay. Right. Yeah. So you so essentially you're running a Facebook ad, a... driving them to the paper form. Exactly. I like that. And it's super friendly, user friendly. It's it's clean and smooth when people go through it. Yeah. Mobile and it encourages friendly. them. Yeah. Encourages yeah. them to keep going through the form. So cool. That's one of my favorites. All right. The one I'm gonna share are these bad boys right here. Um, I decided to give running blue light glasses a chance a couple years ago. And I could not imagine running without them. If you, you could, there's all kinds of studies you could read on this stuff, but staring at a computer screen or a phone screen or a TV screen or any sort of a screen all day long, there is a lot of strain that you're putting on your eyeballs. And if you could just get a nice pair of blue light glasses, it makes a freaking world of difference. The days that I don't have them, I can literally feel the pressure in my head from like the added strain to stare at a screen. I know this sounds crazy, but like, this truly, truly makes a difference. Um, I wear them from a company called Blenders. They're local here in San Diego. They're, they don't have that like super blue tinted lens, but they're um, blue light glasses. They're fire. Like I, I would highly recommend you try these out for a little while. Um, I walk away, like I literally feel my energy level is higher at the end of the day, just because I'm not straining my eyes as much to stare at a damn computer screen. So just, uh, we have James Clear speaking at an event, fastforwardconference.com, you should be there. Tiny changes, <laughs> remarkable results. Like this is an example of a tiny change of just wearing a blue light uh, set of glasses and whether your prescription or not, doesn't matter. Um, it makes a huge difference, it's a remarkable result. So that's my widget of the week. And with that said, guys, I hope you got a lot of value out of the episode today. I'd love to stay connected. Reach out to Chemo at Chemo Quants on social. Do you have yeah. a middle initial in there? No. All right. We, see, we, we keep it easy, guys. Like you, <laughs> your social should not be at Killer Kitty six one nine. Like that shouldn't be your social. It should be your name. I'm at Kyle Whistle. He's at Chemo Quants. Follow us on social. We'd love to stay connected with you. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the Whistleway Podcast.